0: Learn more at epiphany-stl.org. That's epiphany-stl.org. Well, throughout the season of Lent here at Epiphany, we are in a series on Wednesday evenings where we are exploring and considering what it looks like, what it means for us to live as disciples of Jesus Christ. Particularly in this time and place. Different elements of what this life looks like as followers of Christ. And tonight, I want you to consider with me the power of vision. The power of vision in our lives. And vision plays a pivotal role. It has a significant impact on us. I don't mean to, to be too dramatic right out of the gate, but if you look at Proverbs 29, it says clearly that where there is no vision the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people fail to thrive. Where there is no vision, the people suffer. And this is true for all of us. It's true for everyone, regardless of whether you're a Christian or not. It's a principle that applies to all of life. I mean, where there is no vision for physical health, there is double bacon cheeseburgers. That was funny. You guys should have laughed more. All right. Where there is no vision for our financial health, there is overwhelming debt. Where there is no vision for our relational health, where there is no vision for our lives professionally, there is spinning our wheels, being stuck, feeling overwhelmed, disappointed, frustrated, feeling like we we are failing to thrive, Like we're not living up to some sort of potential. But where there is vision, where there is vision, we live with a sense of purpose and direction and intentionality. We're able to make wise decisions, to choose what to say yes to and what to say no to. Where there is vision, we live with fewer regrets and on a pathway towards uh, flourishing in all different aspects of life. And so I I say all this to ask you a question tonight. If vision is so powerful, if vision is so significant in these different areas of our life, what is your vision for your life with Jesus? What's the vision that you have for your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ? I'm guessing that for a lot of us, we haven't really thought about that or even considered that question before. I, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a disciple. That's that's it. That's as far as we take it. And so, I'd like to offer you tonight a, a vision, a shared vision of what it looks like to live as a disciple of Christ. And it's this: it's living in the way of Jesus for the good of others. Living in the way of Jesus for the good of others. All right, it's not very profound, but I'm not a very profound person, so what do you expect? Come on, give me a break. Living in the way of Jesus for the good of others. And I'd like to to think about what that really means for us as followers of Christ, for us as Christians living in the 21st century. Living in the way of Jesus basically means living your life the way that Jesus would if he were you, If he had your identity. So if Jesus had your job, how would he live? If Jesus had your relationships, how would he live in those relationships? If Jesus had your family, how would he live? How would he relate to those people? If Jesus had your bank account, if Jesus had your resources, what would he do with those things? Living in the way of Jesus means aligning our lives and living in in the same pattern of his behaviors, his spiritual habits, his his life habits, his his priorities, his worldview. Living in alignment. the, The vision that we have is to live in the way of Jesus in every aspect of our life, relationally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And that we do so not just so that we'll be happy, or that we'll have a good life, we do so for the good of others, to serve the people around us, to live each day with our, our relationships and the opportunities that we have in work or school, with our family, our friendships, as a church in our communities and our neighborhoods as opportunities to live that out, to live that faith out, to serve and love and care for and meet the needs of the people around us. I always think when I think of this, the power of vision, I think of uh, one of the most profound movies of the 20th century, Blues Brothers. You ever see that? Jake and Elwood. A couple of knucklehead brothers who are on a mission from God. We've got to get the band back together to put on a show. And regardless of what happens, regardless of what goes wrong, regardless of the mistakes they make, it, their lives are set on this path forward that they will not deviate from no matter what happens. In a greater way than that, we have a vision of our lives in Christ to live in the way of Jesus for the good of others. And you have two advantages over Jake and Elwood Blues. One, you're not an idiot. And second of all, Jesus doesn't want you to go to prison, okay? Maybe as a prison ministry, but, you know, that's something different. But this is the consuming vision that we have, the vision that we're called into as followers of Christ to live in the way of Jesus for the good of others. All right. As I say that, if you are thinking about this at all, I'm thinking there are probably two objections that could come up in your mind right away. The first is this. It sounds nice. It's not a bad idea. But uh, <laughs> I still got a load of laundry to do tonight, and we didn't make the kids lunches yet, and I didn't finish the finale from "The Bachelor yet. It feels like, on top of everything else going on in life, we're talking about doing one more thing. And you're busy. You have a lot going on. It feels overwhelming. Like when we start talking about living with this vision to live in the way of Jesus for the good of others, it feels like, where am I going to fit this into my schedule? So the busyness of of our lives makes us pull back a little bit from this concept, or, or to distort this vision, or to water it down in some way. But I think there's also a second, deeper issue that we have to wrestle with when we consider the challenge of living with a sense of vision as disciples of Christ, and I'll start with myself in this. When I start thinking about living in the way of Jesus, guess what? In my natural human state, I don't really want to. And I don't think you do either. I want to live in the way of Nathan. I don't want to live in the way of Jesus. I mean, I'll, I'll, like, we can be co-pilots and we can be walking down the same path together, but when he wants to go this way and I want to go this way... I'll call you in a few days, Jesus. I want to live in the way of Nathan. I don't want to get rid of Jesus. I want him to be my co-pilot. I want him to be my buddy. I want him to be my backup. I want him to be my support. If you're a Star Wars fan, basically, I'm just describing Chewbacca. Okay? All right? I don't want to live in the way of Jesus. I don't want to align every area of my life. I want to keep a couple things to myself. I want to have a weekend away every now and again. I don't want to live aligned fully in the way of Jesus. And secondly, I don't always want to live for the good of others. I really want to live for the good of Nathan. And you know what? I would appreciate it if you all would do the same. (laughs) Right? Are you with me on this? I don't want to always live for the good of others. I want to live for the good of Nathan. I want to live in the way of Nathan for the good of Nathan. And so there is this conflict here. There is this conflict with the busyness of life and the the, the seeming burden of living in the way of Jesus for the good of others. And so how do we get through that? How do we break through, through this struggle or this tension? Well, the good news for us is that Jesus Christ did not come to give you one more thing to do. Jesus Christ came to transform the things that you're already doing. He didn't come to tack on another program or another night out of the week. He came to transform what you are doing right now, the life that you have right now, the the relationships you have right now, the job that you have right now, wherever you're at financially right now, the, the dynamics of your life. He came to transform every aspect of your life. Not to give you one more thing to do, but to transform these things. And the good news and the hope for us is that in his life, death, and resurrection, he came to give us freedom, not a burden to weigh us down or to stop us from having fun. That on the cross, he took upon himself all of the sin and the brokenness in our lives to free us from the power of sin and evil. That in the waters of baptism, we would be claimed as his own children, that we would have a new identity a new purpose in life. In Galatians 5, we're told that, that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Not to create a burden, not to, to pull us down, not to oppress us, but to set us free. I love the, the vision of uh, Peter, what he says in, in a letter that he wrote, 1 Peter chapter 2, he calls us as Christians, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, prized possession of God. And what's so extraordinary about this is when you really think about what those words mean, it means that you are worth it. You are precious. You are worthy. You are valuable to God. You matter to God. Regardless of what your family might have told you when you were growing up, regardless of how you may feel when you're at work, you are worthy. You are precious and valuable to God. And that creates a sense of freedom as we go through our daily life, we don't need to earn that, that sense of worth. We don't need to earn that sense of value from the people around us in our work or in our family or in our school life. We have this identity in Christ that sets us free to love and serve the people around us. And so here's what I would like to encourage you to do tonight. For some of you, when we talk about living in the way of Jesus, it sounds confusing. It sounds weird, and I want to encourage you that, that this season of Lent is a time for us as a church to come together and to start to practice these things. That's why Sunday mornings we have these uh, laboratories after worship. Come and join us. Learn what it looks like to live in the way of Jesus. That's why we have these bingo cards to, to put this stuff into practice. For some of you, you know what this is supposed to look like, but it it's, feels like something that, that's just busy or a burden on our lives. And this is an opportunity for us to to embrace, to grasp the love that God has for us, the sense of worth that's been bestowed on us in Christ's death and resurrection to set us free and to step out in that freedom, to to love and care for and serve the people around us. Pick up those cards, use those, take that seriously. For some of you, you're already doing those things. Maybe this is a season for you to step into an opportunity to lead others, to help others to do the same. The consuming vision of our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ is to live in the way of Jesus for the good of others. As we wrap up, I I just want you to imagine what that would look like. Imagine what that would look like in your life if you had this sense of worth and freedom and the love of God for you. Imagine what it would look like in your work life or in your family if you had a group of people who chose to live in the way of Jesus in their behaviors and their attitudes and their values and their habits for the good of the people around them. Instead of being a family where we all say, what's best for me? What if we all took the time to say, what's best for you? The sort of love and care and nurture that would exist in our families. How could it transform our schools and our workplaces with a group of people? We, we live in a world that is desperate and crying out for hope and for meaning and for love. What if we were the people that brought that? Who lived in the way of Jesus in those areas of our life? What if we, what if we were a church that lived that out in our time together and in our lives, out in our communities, and our neighborhoods, that we were part of God's work of calling people out of darkness into his marvelous light by living in the way of Jesus for the good of others. The good news for us is that Jesus Christ did not come to give you one more thing to do or to create another burden or oppressive system on your life. He came to transform the things that you're already doing and to set you free. May you rest in that love and embrace the hope that we have in Christ in the season of Lent and always. In the name of the risen Christ, amen. Amen.